I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. So that was Mark Howe. That was an awesome interview. We had Lanny McDonald yesterday, Hall of Fame week here on Inside Sports. Now, tomorrow is a best of show. It is Remembrance Day, so we're getting the the day off here. But there will be uh, a best of show in this hour with some of our favorite interviews from the last two or three weeks. So we'll still have a Hockey Hall of Famer on the show. We're going to have our interview with Serge Savard from a couple weeks ago. And as a bonus, we'll have a Baseball Hall of Famer on the show I talked to Paul Molitor while the World Series was going on, who helped the Blue Jays win it all in 1993. So we'll have uh, that interview. So if you missed those, you'll get them. Or if you liked him, you'll get a chance to, to hear him again. He, he was really cool to talk to. The NHL, well, Board of Governors are meeting on Thursday. You heard John Shannon on the show in the first half hour, and uh, he thinks that, that there won't be an announcement on Thursday, but uh, he's kind of leaning towards a January 1st start. 56 game season and perhaps with modified hub cities modified bubbles so you might have uh let's it's probably going to be a canadian division i think that that is almost a certainty at this point in very uncertain times so maybe it's winnipeg from january 1st to january 12th just to pick some days the seven canadian teams go in there maybe play around robin plus one or two to play seven or eight games they go home for a week and then maybe they go to montreal for another stint to play so that's how we're thinking it's going to look at this moment. But as we know, it can change as we move along. But uh, look, I think we're going to have NHL hockey. I've always been a little, little skeptical about the January, maybe a lot skeptical about the January 1st start date. But uh, from what Shannon was saying and, and other things coming out today, maybe they will be able to start it on New Year's Day. Of course, we'll keep you updated here on Inside Sports. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer, noon to two every day. Yakishev writing in, he says, Hey, Reed, got to your show late today and was just wondering if you had seen the crazy skip over the water golf shot by John Rom. Yakishev, two things. First of all, if you're ever late again, your canned ham subscription is going to be doubled in price. And second of all, I did see the shot, and I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to mention it today. I love the Masters. I'm going to be watching a lot when it starts on Thursday. Practice round today. If you have not seen it, do yourself a favor, go online, catch uh, Jay and Dan or a highlight show. By the way, I think we're having Jay on the show on Thursday. The 16th hole, he skips it over the pond. It skips four times, takes an incredible turn on the green, and goes in for an ace. It's just absolutely remarkable. So, Yakushev, thanks for bringing that up. Chris Morris is on the line, head coach of the U of A Golden Bears football team. Chris, I'm, I'm glad you've still been checking in with us, even though you haven't been playing games. So I do really appreciate that. So thanks for coming on the show. How are things, man? Things are great. Things are great. We've had uh, we've been up, not playing games, but we sure have been busy practicing and doing all the other things we need to do around here. So it's uh, really hasn't been much of a change with us besides uh, Friday nights or Saturday afternoons. How's the the spirit been with the players? Look, Chris, I, I've talked to a lot of athletes over the years, and sometimes 
They don't always admit it when the tape is rolling, but some of them aren't fans of practice or the, or they practice because, you know, they know there's a game day around the corner. How have they been dealing with that grind of practices but no games? Yeah, I'll tell you what, Reid. Like, we we've, we spend a lot of time as a, as a coaching group and as an organization trying to bring in the right people here over the last seven, eight years. And I honestly, we had a whole bunch of practices. We've been practicing since August. And honestly, I can count on one hand. It's probably one practice out of all of them that we had where I was like, you know what, we were a little flat today. And it's really a testament to, like, the coaches and the work we've done with our leadership group and, and the kids themselves. I have a, like, I'm, incredib- I'm incredibly blessed to work with some really, really good kids. And I'm telling you, they got after it. And, and they know we're getting closer and closer, and they know they know how important it was to sort of take some steps forward during these times when some other people may not be. And I think they really, they, they bought into that. And man, we got, we got a lot better between August and now. So we're, we're excited. Now we're back in the weight room and we're, you know, we got six weeks now to get stronger before Christmas. And then, then we get after it on Jan- in January, starting 6am with our four workouts a week. So we're, you know, we feel we're in a really, really good spot. And I'm telling you, the the captains on my team should be very proud of where we are right now as a team because they had a lot to do with it. Was there any opportunity to make sure or to give a chance to to rookies and non-starters to get more reps? Yeah, that was the best part of the whole thing. Is usually you go into a season and you're like, okay, now we're prepping, so we got to prep and we need a scout team and we need you know we need certain guys to get the majority of the reps because they're the ones who are taking all of the meaningful reps on Saturday afternoon. So this fall, we didn't have any of that. This fall, it was like, you know what? We're going we're gonna to be very democratic in who gets the reps. And the rookies got as many reps as the vets and as many opportunities to be successful and as many, and as many uh, looks at our offense and our defense as, as, as anybody would. And, it's, it, it, you know, the growth was, was huge. We, we never could have had that level of growth with first-year players in a regular season just because you're you're kind of handcuffed by the fact that you have to get ready for your opponents Mm -hmm. and the other part read the the really really good part was our strength coach is just phenomenal and coach Wright got these guys we we were working in the weight room three days a week and we were able to go way heavier than we have in normal years just because we had limited contact this year we didn't beat each other up and our strength gains were off the charts so we've you know we've had some good work we planned really really well around what we could get out of these guys and we i think we squeezed pretty much everything we could they're off this week for reading week for a nice you know get the academics in check and make sure we're staying on top of that and then you know we get back to week next back to work next week chris i'm going to ask you something and i fully realize you you may have have to pass on it in the environment that we're in but were there any COVID issues with your athletes zero zero cases of COVID. So we got 100 guys. We got 20 staff. Um, everybody masked up. Everybody took care of the time when they were away from our team. We talked about it repeatedly going into the season. We talked about it repeatedly as we went through. Um, I broke the team, and I, and I heard one of the captains. He, he kept the group back after as we were pro- approaching Halloween and was like, you're not going to parties. We're not doing that. We're not getting involved with that. We are taking care of this team. I'm telling you, Reed, everything they did was right. It was just such a, it was a remarkable accomplishment by those kids. And the fact, you, you know, you got 100 guys plus, you know, plus support staff, plus staff, plus, you know, to have zero cases of COVID, just incredible. You know, and there's no way it would have happened if they weren't committed. And if, if they were out carousing at night and doing those sort of things, you know, like most people do when they're in university, 
that never would have happened. So it really is a, a strong statement to how seriously they take our team. Well, I, I'm glad to hear about that, that level of dedication with your team. It just breaks my heart we didn't get to see it in, in competitive games, but uh, we'll get there next year. Chris Morris, U of A football coach, joining us on the show. I got it. Well, maybe it's not next fall. Is there any discussion? And, and you know, in my job, Chris, and you probably get sick of me doing it, but I got to speculate. Is there any chance of a spring season to, to get something in for this calendar school year? Yeah, I don't think there'll be a season. I think there's a strong chance there'll be some, you know, especially now with that, that announcement from Pfizer yesterday that there's, there's going to be a vaccine on the way. You know, like, I think there's a strong possibility of some exhibition play in, in the spring. Um, I don't think any player or coach is going to want to burn a kid's eligibility to play a couple of meaningless, you know what I mean? If you're not playing for the Vanier Cup, people don't really want to waste their eligibility. But I think, you know, having some joint practices and some some jamborees and scrimmages or whatever that might look like in the spring has become very much a, a viable reality now. So, you know, we got to look at planning those things. I talked to a couple of coaches couple weeks ago about it they seemed excited so we'll just see whether we can whether we can get that on the uh, on the calendar okay well i'd like to see that but but what you say makes sense i suppose you wouldn't want to burn eligibility for a, a two-game season and some kind of modified playoff or or whatever so yeah that that makes perfect sense okay well th- this this is this is all positive news chris I, I mean it was it was so unfortunate to see the season wiped out but i'm glad i'm glad the players kept the energy up and and you feel like the team improved over the course of the last two or three months so so that's really good to hear um are you missing um like i know you're obviously a big football fan too and you watch a lot of sports in general uh, are you missing the Canadian Football League? Has the play south of the border kept you going, or, or how are you feeling in, in the fan side of your life? Yeah, there's still lots of football to watch, right? So it, it, you know, it's incredible what the NFL has been able to accomplish with you know the amount of money that's coming into that league for them to be able to play in front of empty stadiums and still still have a viable model for how things work is it's just incredible, you know. And even college football down there, you know, like you look at stuff and it's just it, I have mixed feeling sometimes right you're you're watching the games go on and, and it's like those kids are sacrificing so much to be able to play like their, their social lives are non-existent they're just they're bubbling up with their team and they're just taking care of things and you know and then you see thousands of people storm a field right with no masks on and nothing and just basically you know just ruin the like now there's no possibility of, of, of there not being some sort of spread in that kind of environment right and it's 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 just, I don't think people understand that in order for a, a football team to function and to practice and to, to progress, the amount of discipline it takes from the kids in that team to not be out in the community, to not be, because there's COVID everywhere now. It's not like it's, it's not like it's contained. Like, Reed, it's spreading like crazy. So for, for you to have a, a team that's disciplined enough to take care of that, like, like those kids down in Notre Dame, they win a huge game and, 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 you know, thousands of people storm the field. Like, what a selfish act. Right. And, and you just you, you look at that and it's, you know, you get sort of mixed feelings about the kids playing and, and you know, and about, you know, what's what are they getting out of the sport? You know, we, we were talking about uh, about the impact that this is going to have on high school kids. And it's not like anybody can run a, a program where you practice or, or you play a little bit or you do whatever. But it's like what kids get out of it is, is building that team together and, and like counting on each other and 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 building those relationships and, and and all of that coming together in, in the span of a fall because you're all working on a common goal like that's that's void that's absent now for a lot of these kids right so that they wh- how do they replace that you know and and i don't think you know when you start looking at, at sports in general and you look at what it does for kids you know 
having them play a couple games a week or getting in like being active like being active is a small part like the the physical the physical aspect of football and the, the act of playing football is a very small part of what young men get out of playing the sport like they, they play it for a few short years and then they're done and the, the the lasting impact it has on these young men is 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 incredible and i just don't think you get that by just going out and and playing pickup games i think you need to be part of that team environment right and it's it's too bad that we've lost that for a whole a whole group of kids missed out on that for an entire season. So that's very unfortunate. And, and speaking of the NCAA, the SEC has postponed uh, postponed Saturday, Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M, Tennessee. Uh, Monday, Auburn, Mississippi State was already postponed, but they're calling them postponements, so they're going to try to uh, reschedule them for, for December 12th. Um, Chris, I, I don't know which NFL games you've had the most time to watch. Uh, certainly the Jets uh, snatched defeat from the Jaws of Victory last yeah. night and that much anticipated showdown on Sunday night uh, I lost interest about five minutes into the second quarter like New Orleans just absolutely stomped Tampa Bay that was yeah. that was stunning to me beat down yeah you know it's funny like team dynamics are such a funny thing like if you look at the talent on Tampa you know and you look at the ta- talent on New Orleans there, there's no way that it's that different right but, you know, you get a young team that hasn't been successful like Tampa Bay and, you know, they got Tom Brady and they got Gronk and a couple guys that have. But for the most part, that team has not experienced success, right? And then, you know, they're 6-2 and two and they're walking around, like, you know, and, and they don't understand. Like, they just don't get that, like, you, it, it doesn't matter that you're 6-2. and two. You got to play. And, and New Orleans has a bunch of playoff-hardened, season-hardened, kids or, or, or young men on that team or men on that team that did get it they understand man it's like it doesn't matter what we did yesterday we got to play and they, there's guys in that new orleans team who lost some heartbreaking playoff games so that's a hardened team they get it right tampa's not like they're they're still figuring all this out right and it, i think that's it's kind of a neat thing to watch when you watch that that night that's what's cool about football right is it's you know, talent's one thing, but then you got to put it all together, and you got to play with a certain level of emotion and enthusiasm. And if you don't, <laughs> that's what happens. Yeah, thirty-five to three, or whatever that score was, right? That's yeah. It was a very, very interesting game to watch from my standpoint. Um, when did when did quarterbacks really start being able to throw off balance, like we've seen Mahomes and Wilson and some other guys? Like Wilson was almost parallel to the ground when he threw a pass on Sunday. Mahomes doesn't look at the receiver sometimes. <laughs> you probably <laughs> your quarterback yeah. would be driving you nuts if he tried that, wouldn't he? <laughs> I know, and that's the thing, right? You, we, we, you know what's really cool about what's happened with football is it, it we've taken that quarterback position, which used to be almost like the sacred cow of football. Like, oh no, you got to be six five. Oh no, you got to be able to throw the ball this way. Oh no, you got to be able to read the defense a certain way or. And that's now been trumped by you got to be an athlete. You got to be a guy who can move around and a guy who can throw the ball off balance and a guy who can think of the game, but maybe not the exact way we used to think of the game 20, 30 years ago. Like now it's a more fluid way we think of the game and the offense changes as we move. And, the, and, and it, it's, to me, it's even, it's way more complicated than it used to be and way, you know, way more sophisticated than it used to be, but it's all happening much more quickly. And the kind of athletes we have in the quarterback position, like you, you know, compare it to 20 years ago when you were talking about the top quarterbacks in the league. You know, you got like Joe Montana and Phil Sims and guys like that, like Dan Marino. Like they couldn't move. They were they were they were great throwers of the football, and they knew where to go with it. But they weren't athletes like these guys now. 
And it's the whole game's just changed so, you know, so drastically over the last 10 years. And these guys are so, so talented. Like, those guys are just freak athletes, and they just keep coming. Like, more guys, every, like every year there's two or three more quarterbacks in the league who are just going to be all-stars, and they're going to be tremendous players. You know, Chris, that's like Go ahead, sorry. Oh, sorry, I, I thought you were finished. My bad. But I do want to ask you. I do want to ask you one more. And again, thanks for giving us so much time tonight. I just love talking football with you. Um, but I, ha- I haven't spoken to you since Joey passed away. I, I you know, just r- wrap it up there because uh, such a huge impact, Joey Moss, on so many people, so many athletes in this city. Yeah, it's just such a shame. You know, it's just you know, it's it's one of those things where Joey had a very long and and and, and very impactful life, right? So you want to celebrate that fact, but it's you know, it's just such a great it his legacy is just so important like to our community to our city and it, it you know it, if you look at what he did for the organizations he was a part of and you know i said this to our team like we had a team meeting a couple of days after he passed and i said you know when he passed on it really made me think to myself like you know you know what's my legacy like what am i doing here like here's a guy who came in he like he impacted general managers and coaches and players some of the best to ever play just by showing up every day with a good attitude and and, and, and doing things that, that w- were within his skill set to help the people around him, right? Like, what's your legacy? Like, what do you do every day to help people around you? You know what I mean? You got All of us have quite a few more advantages than what Joey ever had, right? And, and, you know, we talked about that as a team and how important it is to understand that is it's like, look, you, you, you get one ride through this thing. Like, what are people going to say about you when you go? Is it going to be as positive as what people are saying about Joey? And, and if not, why? Because honestly, a lot of us have way more advantages going in than he did, right? So I, I think I just think it's a great lesson, and it's a it's a great great example of, of our city and, and a you know a, a hero from the city, someone who did just tremendous tremendous amounts with with what uh, with what God gave him to play with. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, thanks for checking in. Thanks for saying that about Joey. Thanks for the update on your team and the football talk. Uh, I always enjoy it. We, we got a bit of a green and gold great cup week next week. Uh, who knows? Maybe you'll be on. Some of your ex-teammates will probably be on. So I hope you can check that out, buddy. Thank you so much. Yeah. Sounds good. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Talk to you soon. That is Chris Morris, head coach of the U of A Golden Bears football team. Love chatting with that guy. It's Inside Sports on Chet. We've had some good ones tonight. Mark Howe, John Shannon, Chris Morris. Wow, a second text from Yakushev. I'm truly titillated now. He says, Reed, please reconsider my increased price for the coveted canned ham subscription. I promise to give the next ham to the littlest hobo on Friday. All right, we have a deal, Yakushev. That is pretty cool. We're still going to talk to Brendan Botcher. Excellent skip, three straight appearances in the Briar final. He, uh, he he and his team won in Okotoks over the weekend, so we'll get an update from the world of curling. We'll tee up the Masters a little bit. 
That starts on Thursday at Augusta. I was talking about John Rahm's amazing hole-in-one today during a practice round, skipped it over the water on 16, and then it rode the break of the green and went right in the cup. Can Tiger win it again? You got to favor DeChambeau, don't you, the way he's pounding it, the way he's been playing this year? Everything's pretty much a driver and a wedge into the green, even on the par fives for him this year. Next half hour of Inside Sports. Please stick around after the news. So the NBA is going to go with 72 games starting December 22nd. The NHL could be moving closer towards an announcement of its own. Board of Governors will meet on Thursday. We had John Shannon on the show between 6 and 6.30. He doesn't expect any announcement to be made on Thursday, but it appears, it appears, if you if you absolutely had to make a wager right now, if somebody came up to you and said, you you have to bet grandma's antique spoon collection you would wager that the nhl is going to start january 1st with a 56 game schedule with a canadian division with modified bubbles or hybrid hub cities whatever they're going to call them so probably a canadian division maybe ottawa hosts all seven teams for two weeks say from january 1st to 12th and you play seven games and then you go home to your home city for a week and you got to follow protocols and be tested and all that kind of thing. And then you go to another hub city for 12 to 14 days and play six, seven, eight games. And then you come home and that's how they go through the season. If, if you had to go to grandma now and say, grandma, let me wager your antique spoons. And then I'm going to get the spoons. I'm going to win the bet. So we'll, we'll get the spoons and I'm going to get somebody else's uh, grandmother's spoons. That's what you would wager on right now. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. The Masters starts on Thursday. Two days from now, John Rahm with the incredible hole-in-one. Sergio is not playing. He has COVID. David Duvall was supposed to be a commentator. He won't be able to do that. He has COVID. Phil Mickelson, he's won it three times on playing in front of no fans. Yeah, it's going to be different, but the fact is we get to compete in the Masters, and it just doesn't matter, like, where, when, how, what, who's watching. It doesn't matter. We have a chance to compete in the Masters, and this is the first time, I think, in the history of the game where back-to-back majors are played at the same venue, and so we're going to play the Masters, uh, you know, twice now in, in what, four or five-month span, and that's, uh, that's a special opportunity if, if uh, we can get it going there. Yeah, that's a really good point by Mickelson. The next major after this one will be the Masters in April, assuming it's going to go ahead at that time. And right now it is scheduled. So for the first time ever, we're going to see Augusta in November. Interesting note about Augusta National. I'm sure you you hardcore golf people know this. Though sometimes I wonder if I'm... I'm (laughs) Like I, I talk with Bob Stoffer a lot, and uh, and obviously uh, on air and off air, Bob and I see each other a lot during the weather season. Um, Bob is a wealth of sports trivia. He he is not a wealth of golf trivia. I was joking with him yesterday on the show. That's probably the one area. Uh, I might be able to beat him in a trivia competition. And Bob's going to be on Thursday, and we will do a quiz for Stoffer, and I will have master's questions, and I don't know if you'll know them. Um, but anyway, uh, but Augusta National, of course, extremely 
private course. Uh, sometimes maybe uh, a little too private, but anyway, um, the 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 course closes in the summer, so it's it's usually open uh, sort of in the fall through to the spring, and often the Masters is one of the last events there before it closes for the summer because of the the heat there. A lot of, fewer people would golf in the summer, and then that's when they sort of modify the course for next year's uh, Masters. Whether it's might change the size of a green a little bit, add some trees, take away some trees, things like that. I'm I'm curious to see the what the vegetation looks like because one of the things about the masters in April is that's the springtime and the azaleas and all the flowers are blooming and things like that. And they've gone to great lengths, sometimes artificial lengths to make sure the course looks perfect when it's uh, when it's masters time in April. So I'm, I'm going to be uh, very interested to see how it looks when we get going on Thursday, tiger woods won it all last year. It was just a, a, a fight and a grind and, uh, just trying to hang in there, uh, trying to make uh, a dent in the in the lead. Uh, Frankie basically had had control of it, and then number twelve happened, and everything flipped. And you know, you know, four guys hit the ball in the water there, and I didn't made par there. Birdie thirteen, birdie fifteen, sixteen. So you know, that was one of the most. Uh, I mean, I'm still getting chills just thinking about it. Uh, the feelings, you know, coming up 18 and and knowing that uh, all I had to do is just you know, two putt that that little 15 uh, footer and you know see my, my my family there and my my mom and my kids and and all the people that uh, helped support me or were there for me during the, the the tough times. And I was walking up there to just trying not to lose it and I say, hey, I still got a two putt this. And then when I walked off the back of the green you know to see Charlie there and just open open up our arms and it, it, it meant a lot to me and it still does and uh, just reminded me so much of me and my dad and uh, to come full circle like that uh, it, it still gives me you know a little teary all right. Uh, one thing I have incredible wit, obviously by Woods and uh, Grant texting in. He says one thing that'll be a major change for this year: there won't be a tiger roar. Well, that's a good thing, and that's what Augusta is known for the uh, the big roars on the back nine, and one guy's teeing off on fifteen, and he's like, "Oh, did somebody just make an eagle on thirteen when he hears the roar?" So that'll certainly it'll it'll sound a lot different as many sporting events have. One thing I always look at, and this is maybe just a total weird thing I do, and by the way, the only weird thing I do. What what's for the for the champions dinner? Well, uh, Tiger uh, was going with sushi and fajitas for this year. What else can I tell you? Patrick Reed last year, uh, a Caesar salad or a wedge salad to start and main dish, prime bone in cowboy ribeye with herb butter, or you could have mountain trout if you wanted fish. Uh, Sergio in 2018, an international salad with ingredients chosen to represent the countries of past Masters champion. They had a uh, lobster rice for the entree. What else did we have? Uh, Adam Scott in 2014, surf and turf on the grill, including lobster. Started with an appetizer of artichoke and arugula salad with calamari. I'm getting hungry. Phil Mickelson in in, uh, 2011 had a Spanish-themed menu, seafood paella, paella. And Hel Cabrera, of course, the Argentinian, uh, had a bit of an Argentinian theme 
a multi-course barbecue featuring chorizo, blood sausage, short ribs, beef. Uh, Phil, Phil had a bit of a barbecue theme one year. And of course, Tiger back in 98 after winning it in 97 when he was still very young. Cheeseburgers, chicken sandwiches, french fries, and milkshakes. I just love reading this stuff. I don't know. And I often think, what would I pick? If I won the Masters, pretty big if. I'm, I'm a long shot ever to qualify for the tournament, let alone win it. I did put on uh, Twitter this afternoon, what would be your champion's dinner at the Masters? Some of the replies. Uh, S. Murray wrote, steak, very large steaks with multiple exclamation marks. The high priest of Oilers magic, I've been on his podcast a couple of times. He says, pierogies. Cabbage rolls and pancakes. George says jumbo doner with side fries and sweet sauce for dipping. You realize that the professional chefs at uh, at Augusta National would prepare this. Uh, Noel just wrote in five guys. So I guess he would win the Masters in the next year. He would just order in five guys or tell the chefs they have to make a five guys uh, style sandwich. Or maybe he's a cannibal and would actually eat five human men. That's, that just occurred to me. Sorry for taking it dark there, everybody. But, hey, he wrote five guys. Uh, and so, and uh, Scott wrote poutine and cheeseburgers, LOL. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. The, uh, the Masters Champions Dinner. All right. Uh, a <laughs> couple of funny texts. Thank you very much. I, I definitely, uh, I, I would definitely pick something I could not get at a restaurant I regularly go to, even though there's a lot of great food in Edmonton. I think if I won the Masters, I would pick, okay, what's something I have I like, but maybe, uh, you know, isn't just, I can't order it prepared exactly the way I wanted to. That's probably what I would go to. I, I do think I would have several bowls of chips and dill pickle dip and onion dip available, though, just for snacking. Absolutely. All right. The Zach says, <laughs> this is the text of the night from Zach. I, this might be on the short list for text of the year. The Zach says, I find it funny you can pick your meal if you win the Masters or if it's your last night on death row. <laughs> That's, oh, that is a good one. The when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Zach, appreciate that. All right, uh, champion curler Brendan Botcher when we get back. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Well, back on the ice and back winning. Brendan Botcher, skip of the Brendan Botcher team based right here in Edmonton. Brendan, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Hey, Reed. I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? 
Well, I'm doing pretty well. It's nice to have you on the show again. It's always good to talk curling with you and let people know what's going on with your rink. And good things, uh, good things. Victory at the ATB, o- o- ATB Okotoks Classic over the weekend. And I believe you guys went through the Bonspiel undefeated? We did, yeah. It was uh, it was an excellent weekend for us. It certainly felt uh, felt good. That was actually our second tournament of the year, but it was good to be back on the ice. Uh, it was good to kind of get our legs under us, play a few really good curling games, uh, and we had just another awesome game against Kui in the final. Well, and, uh, you know, Kui, obviously one of the best in, in recent years, just like you have been, uh, 6-5 the final. Tell us through. Tell us about that game. It seems it's always back and forth and, and off and down to the last few rocks when you guys play each other. Yeah, you know, we've had so many good battles against those guys in the last couple of years. Uh, I think everyone expects that if both teams play well, it's going to come right down to the end. Uh, and it certainly didn't disappoint. Uh, there were a few fantastic shots made by both sides through that game. Uh, and we got ourselves to one down with the hammer coming home in the last end. Uh, and the, the guys just played an excellent end for me there. We were set up real well. And after all that, Kevin still had a, a shot to get out of it, which he was <laughs> just a few millimeters away from making perfect. So it just goes to show you, I guess, how much parity there is uh, among some of the top teams. Uh, and certainly it, it felt good to us to, to pull that one out. When you've played cooey so often and and you're both top skips top ranks in the entire world i I mean can you try to fool each other at this point or 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 do things to go against what he thinks your tendencies might be or i mean you just know each other so well at this point it it just comes down to that execution and those few millimeters like you said yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot of surprising going on anymore on both sides. You will uh, you will see a new wrinkle here or there uh, where someone will throw something at you that's a little bit different than you've seen before. Uh, but in general, uh, he knows what kind of game we, we play, and we certainly know what kind of game they play. Uh, and it really does come down to execution. Uh, I would say there's really not a whole lot of strategy differences on either side. Um one thing that probably does make a difference, it depends a little bit on the ice conditions too, because uh, we do play a little bit different. So different ice conditions might favor one of us over the other that day. <laughs> uh, and we've certainly come into some situations where uh, if one team is on just the ideal ice for their strategy, you can pull away a little bit. So this was your, your second event. And here we are sitting here talking on November 10th. How How much has your schedule been disrupted here with COVID? Like how much would have you usually played at this time of the year as compared to what you've played now? Uh, Right now, I would say we should be done four or five events. Uh, We would have been starting end of July, early August, at least getting back to the rink practicing again. Uh, So we were delayed about 10 weeks just getting back on the ice. And then uh, as with (laughs) so many other things right now, uh, it's it's hard to run an event of any kind these days just because you you don't have the certainty you need to go ahead uh, and book it, to have all the sponsorship work out, have the club support it. There's a lot of pieces that go into some of these events, especially the bigger they get. Um, And that uncertainty has killed a lot this year. So we're definitely fortunate that there uh, have been two clubs so far, Banff and Okotoks, that have put on two outstanding events for us. Um, and on a side note, I would say they both went over and above 
Um, in terms of keeping all of us safe, it certainly felt like they were they were doing all the things they were supposed to, and it, we felt safe on the ice. So that's a good start. Uh, I do think there's um, a handful of events that are coming up here in the next month um, that we're all hoping will run. Um, fingers crossed. I, I think like a lot of people, you, you watch the numbers every day roll in um, and it's hard not to, to wonder if we're going to be headed down a different track here soon. Has your preparation and practice been disrupted at all or have you, you guys been able to kind of practice as normally? Yeah, so if anything, that's been one of the nice things that's come out of this year so far because we've been curling competing a little bit less. We've actually had some more time uh, at the Savile Centre practicing than we might usually have. Uh, and that's good. Um, practice is underrated in a lot of cases. And I think often we get more out of being on the ice together in a practice environment than we do in playing a few more games. So that's been nice. Um, the Savile Centre likewise has done an outstanding job of keeping everyone safe, having a, a really good atmosphere at the building and letting us still get out there a whole bunch to practice. So it's been good that way. Skip Brendan Botcher joining us tonight on Inside Sports, telling you about the curling season to this point. They just won an event in Okotoks uh, over the weekend. Well, and, and I guess we kind of got to see still what, what happens. I know there's some speculation about Calgary maybe being a hub for, for some of the Canadian championships. I guess that the Briars and the Scotties, I don't know if they try to do any of the uh, junior events or anything else like that there. Uh, anything you're, you're hearing about this? Well, you know, we all saw the, the article that came out on CBC Sports a couple days ago. Um, I think it's worthwhile noting that that uh, didn't come from Curling Canada direct. So I would say until uh, Curling Canada or one of our organizations is willing to, to put their name behind it and kind of formally publish it, um, nothing is truly firm. <laughs> that said, for me looking at it, um, it would be awesome to have the opportunity to play in some of those larger events. I think those are the events that we all kind of wrote off as unlikely to happen this year. Um, and it's just nice to know that even behind the scenes, people are trying to trying to find ways to get it to run. I know the, the TV networks are starving for content, so it would certainly be awesome from that perspective if they could find a way to make it work. Well, and just correct me if I'm wrong here, but the advantage for curling would be that every event is in a hub city. I mean, that's how it works. You go somewhere for several days or like for the Briar, almost a week and a half and you, <laughs> you stay there and play games. It's not a huge adjustment like with hockey. I, I know maybe you might have to adjust um, the life away from, from the facility and, and you got to stay safe and stuff like that. But I mean, in curling, every, every event is basically in a hub city. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, and I think curling's tough because you're drawing people, especially at a national championship from every corner of the country. So that's a little tough in today's world. Um, and then when they're looking to host some of the larger events that are often filled with a whole bunch of international teams, that's just another layer um, of challenges these days. But it, it would be awesome. Uh, there certainly are venues around that have the ability to do this. I think the NHL bubble proved that it's possible uh, and they did a good job at it um, and I wouldn't downplay also just the economic benefit uh, to the local community of being able to host an event and and have at least some of those businesses um, propped up there for a few weeks 
Yeah, for sure. Well, Brendan, I tell you what, we always appreciate the update. You and your teammates have, have been very generous with your time over the years coming on Inside Sports. So good for you getting the victory. And yeah, hopefully we, we keep seeing events and, and big name ranks going head to head and, and we get to the Briar and, and hopefully the Worlds as well. We really appreciate your time, buddy. Yeah, for sure. Anytime you guys want to have me, I'll be here. Excellent stuff. That is Brendan Bosher checking in. little update from the world of curling. Not playing as much as they usually would have at this time of year, but they did get the victory in Okotoks on the weekend. Good stuff there. Inside Sports on 630, Chad. I was just was kept the page open here. Past Masters Tournament Champions Dinner. So Tiger Woods had the cheeseburgers, chicken sandwiches, french fries, and milkshakes in 1998. Now, you can also order off the menu in the Augusta National uh, Restaurant, if you'd like. Nick Faldo in 97, fish and chips and tomato soup for dipping, I guess. And how about this in uh, 1989? Would you have eaten this dish? Kellen, Sandy Lyle, okay. haggis, mashed potatoes, and mashed turnips. Are you eating the haggis or are you ordering off the menu? Uh, I'm going to opt on the menu for this one. I like Tiger's uh, uh, selection, though, uh, when he first won it. That'd be right up my alley. I think it'd be pub night. Uh, I think we'd get, like, the mozzarella sticks happening. We'd get the uh, jalapeno poppers. <laughs> maybe a, maybe you just, a few jugs of draft. The, the M&M know. variety pack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just eat this up, boys. Yep. <laughs> You know, one, uh, sorry, oh no, two Woods had porterhouse steak, chicken, sushi appetizer, and uh, similar in 2002. Also, uh, he added some salads, crab cakes, asparagus, mashed potatoes, and a chocolate truffle cake. Oh, and of course, Mike uh, Mike Weir, the Canadian who won in 03, Mm -hmm. his 04 meal, elk, wild boar, Arctic char, and Canadian beer. So he had a bit of a northern theme there, Mike Weir. In 2004. All right, tonight you heard from John Shannon, Mark Howe, Chris Morris, Brendan Botcher, a best of show tomorrow. Paul Molitor, Serge Savard, among the interviews you'll hear there. We're back live Thursday at 6. We uh, remember it's day tomorrow. Thank you to all of you who serve, who have served, and a special remembrance to those of you who sacrificed for our country. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.